Thank you, Bell Choir, for blessing us with those two beautiful songs. This morning is a particular service in our uh, Christian calendar uh, in the global church. It's called Ascension Sunday. A lot, uh, a lot of people are not aware of Ascension Sunday. Uh, Jay and I have both been asked, what is that? It's a good question to ask. There are three events in the life of Christ that get a lot of publicity. The birth, the death, and the resurrection. The, uh, the ascension does not get a lot of publicity. We have Christmas, we have holidays uh, around Christmas, Good Friday and Easter. But if you go to Hallmark, you're going to have a really hard time finding a card for uh, Ascension Sunday. In fact, you probably won't find one anywhere, even online. Ascension is 40 days after Easter. And it's an important day to understand. And so Jay and I have decided that today we'll actually do some uh, teaching about what is the significance of the ascension. Uh, the, the ascension, without the ascension, then the explosion of the birth and the death and the resurrection doesn't happen. It's because of the ascension that that takes place. Uh, it emphasizes, it explodes the reality of what Jesus did here on earth. And then, because he ascended and went back to heaven, what actually means the doctrine of ascension is that it releases it to the universe and into our lives with its healing power. And so I want to read uh, the 11 verses uh, from the first uh, uh, chapter of the book of Acts so that you'll be reminded or maybe even here for the first time uh, those first verses uh, following uh, actually the book of Luke because those are two connected. But if you will uh, read along with me as I read aloud beginning with verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Verse 11 says from the angels, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This was actually a gentle rebuke from the angels as the disciples are gazing up into heaven. They're wondering, uh, the disciples are wondering what in the world is going on. They are sad. They are bereft. They are wondering, we don't know what our next step will be because the disciples saw the ascension as the absence of Christ and the loss of his leadership the loss of his intimacy, the loss of his protection, they were very saddened. And yet the angels say, why are you looking into the sky? It's like the old saying, the penny hasn't quite dropped. They're not understanding what has happened. It's the angel was saying, if you're not filled with joyful activity, glorious vision of what is happening, you don't understand the ascension. The ascension has not come to your comprehension yet. The end of uh, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24, verses 52, it actually does show uh, in that verse, it's referring to this same event right here, that the apostles returned uh, to the city and they worshipped God in the temple. And they went back into the world as witnesses to what they had seen. They were understanding that worship was important because what they had seen with their own eyes witnessed themselves firsthand. And they began to understand that the ascension is not the loss of his leadership. It's not the loss of Jesus' presence in their life. It's actually the magnification of it. And that's for you and for me today. Because obviously we haven't walked with Jesus in physical body uh, right here on earth. But the magnification of because he went back to the Father... And that it was exploded that he was then without time and space in one physical body. That he could be with all of us at any given moment. That the disciples could never lose his leadership. That no one could take Jesus from the disciples. Not prison walls, not bars, not chains. Because of the ascension, he is closer than ever. He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So do not leave until the Holy Spirit has come to you. It means that he went into heaven so that everything he did on earth and everything he was was released into the world. And the angels also said he will come again as prophet, priest, and king. Because now it is cosmic. He is released. And that he is not just their teacher... His teach, their teacher has not just gone and vanished and, and is no longer, but now he is teacher for all. They obviously gave uh, away their ideas of, are you, are you now going into your kingdom to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still got this idea that his reigning, that his kingship would be political. 
But actually he was saying, oh no, it goes past Jerusalem. It's in all Judea, all Samaria, all over the world. Because Jesus was a person who came to speak truth, liberating truth. His words were kingly words that spoke and people were freed because of them. Freed not only in body, but in spirit and emotion as he healed people again and again and again. So the book of Acts is actually telling us that his teaching is to go forth from now on through us, that we are the witnesses of Jesus, that we are to become the teachers of Jesus, the teachers for Jesus, that Jesus' ministry continues through you and through me. It's very interesting uh, that he's chosen imperfect people to do that. (laughs) Because certainly all of us who have gathered here today, uh, in person and online, are imperfect people. We foul things up. We mess it up. We speak too quickly. uh, We get too angry too quickly. We, We are sinful people. And yet, he has given us the task to be his witnesses in the world. And literally, when we share Jesus Christ with others, they hear Jesus. They hear the words of Jesus. And the words of Jesus are transforming, not to just us, but when we tell the story, then we broaden the faith and we offer faith to others. For we now are the hands and feet of Christ. We have this prophetic ministry to share the good news. Do we not need good news today? Are we not absolutely bombarded by bad news? Day after day after day. How depressing can that be when we are saturated with one fearful statement after another fearful statement, after a judgmental statement? after crime, after injustice, after, you name all the blanks there. Are we not subject to being overwhelmed by bad news? We have been given the opportunity to be the bearers of good news because Jesus right here, as we've just read, has said, you are my representatives. And I would say today for all of us, if he is not afraid to identify with us, then we should not be afraid to identify with him. To actually offer who he was and words that he said. And so the question is, do you know what he has said? Did Jesus look at uh, the idiocracies and shortcomings of the disciples as he's ascending up and he goes, ay, 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 I'm going to have to stay here and do it myself. He might have been tempted to do that. No, he doesn't. He says, be my witnesses and all your mixed baggage and all your doubt and all your shortcomings, be my representatives Point people off of you and on to me. We need to be carrying that word of encouragement. 
that truth from the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Paul, again, is Paul the apostle that absolutely says we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the treasure is not from us. The treasure is from him. Again and again and again, the disciples kept hearing Jesus say, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about the kingdom of God, not only in heaven, but the kingdom of God on earth. It's not about you. <laughs> oh, how we make it about us every day. And God is saying, help people understand it's about me, that I have given them breath, that I sustain the breath, that I am here to make all things new, that I have he come here to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. And please be my representative. If we were to flip over to the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, and we would begin to start reading right there in that chapter of uh, Stephen, a man named Stephen who is about to be stoned to death. And as Stephen is realizing that he's in grave danger, he's probably going to die within moments. He begins to see a vision of Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And as he sees that vision, he stands and says, come what may. How can someone face death that confidently that calmly, with praise on their lips, about to end their life on earth, is because he had the vision of the risen Christ at the right hand of God the Father. And realizing that now humanity has this representative in heaven, an advocate in heaven at the right hand of God on the throne. And he's seeing the risen Christ, and he's realizing Come what may, I see my victory. How can he do that? This is not uh, a normal thing for any of us to do, but because he could see the risen Christ reigning as king, he was able to face that death confidently. It points to the reality that Jesus does understand our life here but we have someone who understands what it means to be human, to feel, to bleed, to hurt, to grieve, to be angry, to have the things of humanity. But now the Son of Man is also the Son of God with God the Father, taking humanity back to heaven, representing us there in a clear way. That's a powerful image for us that we can approach the throne boldly even when we realize how imperfect we are, how frail we are, how we mess it up again and again and again. When we think about being witnesses for God, at least sometimes I do, and, and I think about the scripture that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Personally, I like to look at that as an equation, and I personally sometimes think, take me out of the equation, because I'm going to foul it up. Because boy, 
that representation is sometimes so short. Take me out of the equation. And yet the equation is actually Christ in you equals the hope of glory. And so that when some people who need a word of encouragement hear it come forth from your lips or see it because of your witness, your silent witness in the way that you live and how you treat others and how generous you are of both mind, heart, spirit, and wallet and verbal, that, that they understand there is something beyond them. This faith that they speak about is truly authentic and real. It goes beyond what can be seen to the unseen. When you speak that encouragement into others, we are being his witnesses that he's asked us to be. So many people uh, have uh, been sharing testimonies in their frailty, in their uh, doubt, in their uh, wondering if things are even as true as they could hope for and believe from the scriptures. And yet, out of that frailty, it has been building people's faith Jay and I have been told about people who work with others who watch online weekly, who've never come through the doors and don't really want to come through our doors, but they've been dialing in, tuning in, turning on whatever social media or whatever that helps them find a message on Sunday morning to hear about the witnesses. Because it boils down to this, I think. We have the scriptures. We have the Old Testament. And we have the New Testament. And Christ clearly said on the day of his ascension, you are to be my living testament. And however and whatever way it is presented an opportunity for you to be a living testament, That is our charge to the ends of the earth. And so sometimes that means sitting in a doctor's office and actually saying a word of encouragement, a faith statement, not forcing it on someone, but praying about an opportunity to gently and loving encourage someone. That means seeing someone in need and offering an open hand to help them. That means so many things about how we are to witness to Jesus Christ and the good news that he brings. That in fearful times, he is our steady anchor that helps us face the stormy waves. That he is our eternal king now and forever. Because of that ascension going back to heaven, he's no longer in time limited to space and a body, but now he is forever king, now and forever throughout our universe. Now and in the days to come, we are to be his witnesses, a living testament. Let us pray together. Spirit of the living God, 
fall afresh on us this day. Oh God, we ask that you mold us and shape us and give us a vision of Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father on his throne and yet inviting us to be an open, living testimony to him and to the good news that he brings. Father, literally help us be the feet that bring good news, the hands that offer good news, the mouth that speak good news. Oh God, remind us that it's not about us, it's about you. And it's about who we can be because of you. Oh God, thank you that you have called us your children. May we earnestly, sincerely live that way. In the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen.